Ladies and gentlemen, would you please rise for the playing of the Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. And here's your host, Jana, and her big brother, Jeff. Welcome to this week's Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. We are back. This is episode 12. Is that right? 12? I was amazed that we were like not at episode 2, I guess, but 12. 111 Uh, of the series, a set. If you got a box set of our, it would be four seasons long, 111 episodes. Yeah. Including this one. Yeah. So I am Jana, and that is my big brother, Jeff. And we are here again this week to talk about baseball, our favorite thing. We've got college baseball. We have who's going to Omaha and how they will be matched up in Omaha. And that will start this week. And of course, we have me lamenting about the Dodgers this week and uh, some good news for the Angels. So uh, let's go ahead and get started. Let's get it rolling. That crazy weekend around the country, mostly in the South, because that's uh, where all the regionals seem to be, thanks to the SEC. Uh, Super regionals, best of three, and uh, really some exciting games. A couple of them, a couple of the series were like quick. They were over. Boom, boom. Done. Yeah. Florida, I think, took the first two games. Over right. South Carolina, I think is they were done. the first ones to get to get to you know punch their ticket, as it were, uh, and then followed by TCU uh, was the other one. Florida, of course, taking out South Carolina, and then uh, TCU were uh, they took out Indiana State. So uh, now we've got the uh, the eight teams going to Omaha. Yeah, we've got Wake Forest. Florida, as we mentioned, LSU, they beat Kentucky. Virginia lost their first game to Duke, but they came back to win. And Um, and didn't make any, um, there was no question about it. Right. And the first game was pretty close. Yep. The next two games were were not close. No, they were very solid. (laughs) After the second game, uh, I can't remember his name. Stephen Scoach, I think is his name. He's a pitcher for uh, for Virginia. And they were talking to him. And he said the crowd there, they were playing in Virginia, but there were a lot of Duke fans there. Yeah, a lot of blue. And um, they were like, you know, come on, lose. That's what they were. You know, I mean, that's the basics. You guys got to lose. He said, somebody said, um, I'll buy you some dipping Dots if you lose the game. <laughs> and he thought I could really go for some dipping dots, but if we win today, we get one more day. That's more per diem. Another day of per diem. I can buy my own dipping dots, so we'll just win. Yeah, and just go to Omaha. That seems right. like a better plan. Uh, TCU took out Indiana State, and this was an interesting one because they were supposed to play. At Indiana State, but they ended up playing at TCU, and the main reason was because there are not enough hotel rooms uh, near the Indiana State campus, and they were having the Special Olympics there that the same weekend, so 
They moved it to TCU, worked out to TCU's advantage because they had home field advantage and they won. Oral Roberts and Oregon. This was a really good matchup. Um, Oral Roberts came out. They took two of the three games. The first game, Oregon beat Oral Roberts nine to eight. Second game, Oregon is stunned because Oral Roberts comes out and beats them eight to seven. And then in the next game, I think it was 11 to 11 to nine. Yeah, it was, to eight. There was a lot of runs scored. Oregon, Oregon came back in that first game. Yeah. Like from when I saw the score, it was like eight to two. And then uh, next thing you know, Oregon's on top and celebrating a, a win and hoping to get another one. And Oral Roberts. Now, at first you look at it and you go, well, Oral Roberts made it. That's not too bad. I mean, they, they haven't been to Omaha since 1978. That's pretty incredible. But then you see when the last time Oregon went to Omaha and you go, well, maybe I would have liked to seen Oregon <laughs> go because Oregon hasn't been there since like the 50s. Yeah, yeah. But that was a that was a really good series. And then uh, Stanford and Texas, that was another one that was a really good, uh, good series. They battled it out. Uh, Texas took the first game and then Stanford took the second game with pitcher Quinn Matthews getting 16 strikeouts and tossing 156 pitches. 156 pitches. Did his arm fall off? I I think they had it fell off. They had put I'm sure on somebody's ice. somebody's <laughs> upset about it that uh, he threw that many pitches. Oh Somewhere. well, Twitter was crazy. Like, how could you? How could a coach let him go that long? How you know? It's like this is the championship, and and I bet that I bet Quinn Matthews was like, yeah, I can go, I can go. And who's to say that he's going to have any kind of success if he goes to the? to the majors gets drafted or anything he may not make it let him put it all out there the way he wants and maybe instead of crying about pitchers going over you know 75 100 pitches this is a once in a lifetime thing you may never get another chance that's yeah that's right that it could be it in the game three this was a wild game texas uh, Stanford actually led this game uh, for the majority of the game. And then Texas came back and tied up the game 6-6. And then Stanford's, this is the uh, bottom of the ninth. Stanford's Albert, I think it's Albert Rios is his name. He thought he had a walk-off home run, but it hit off the wall. And there's a Pac-12 sign on the green it's like a, you know on the the wall is green and then there's a sign and it's white and red but the majority of the color is white he thought he had a home run it bounced off of that logo so you couldn't see it and the first base coach is like you better run cuz he had flipped his helmet off Stanford came out of the dugout. They were ready to pounce on him. He gets to second. That's so, farther than Marcelo Zuna got. Yeah. 
We'll talk about him later. We forgot to mention him last week. Yes. So then there was a walk. And then the ending that the Longhorns never saw coming. Never want to see again. This was a pop-up. Routine pop-up. It was dusk. The lights were on. Second baseman knew where the ball was, but nobody else could see it. The outfielders couldn't see it. It The ball dropped for a walk-off single, and Stanford is headed to Omaha. It was heartbreaking. It was awful. I just, even thinking about it now, I just feel so bad for the Longhorns in because that's how that that's how their road to Omaha ended right. on a pop-up. It wasn't that, just a flat out, you know, there was a chance they could still win and they yeah. lost it off of, off of something like that, off of an error. Yep. Uh, it was just bad. And then uh, Southern Mississippi t- and uh, Tennessee. Now this game, one thing I got to say is those smoky grays that Tennessee wears, those are sharp. Yeah. I like I those. I like too. those. <laughs> Um, this one was hampered by weather and they finally got the third game in and Southern Mississippi just couldn't do anything against Tennessee. Tennessee ends up blanking them five to nothing. And the volunteers are going to Omaha. They were like a top rated team last year and couldn't make it this year. They finally go. And yeah, that the first game of that matchup got, um, had to be continued the next day. It was uh, it was called in like the fifth inning or something like that. Yeah, and yeah, they uh, so just they had, had really bad weather there in Southern Miss. Same thing was going on. You mentioned uh, LSU and uh, and Kentucky. They had to postpone and postpone and postpone. LSU in the first game versus Kentucky, and this was a quick series. LSU just took them out. Um, six home runs in the first game. Two each by uh, Tommy White and Trey Morgan, so that's four. And then you know they just uh, they just didn't they didn't fool around with it. So they they deserved their spot there. So this coming weekend we start double elimination all over again. Bracket one will have uh, Oral Roberts, TCU, Virginia, and Florida. So they'll play each other. Um, and uh, for double elimination and then um, and how it progresses. And then uh, in bracket number two, you'll see Stanford, Tennessee, LSU, and the overall number one made it through. And they they really, you know, took out um, took out Alabama pretty quickly and easily. Um, so just proving they are the number one team. So they're, they're, uh, they've still got the number one seed intact for the tournament. And, uh, and like I said, they'll start, uh, their walk or ride or run towards, uh, towards the championship, uh, there in Omaha this coming weekend. Uh, before we, uh, we head off to see what's happening with the, uh, the Dodges, a uh, couple of notes, Angelo state from San Angelo, Texas, took the Division II baseball title and uh, beating Rollins, which I don't know where Rollins is. And like a dummy, I forgot to look it up. Rollins University, Rollins College. What I did note was was that Rollins, to get to the championship game, 
beat a school I am familiar with. Cal State San Bernardino, the Coyotes uh, were uh, were eliminated by Rollins before they went on. Uh, San Angelo or Angelo State, uh, known as was the number three seed, and um, this is their third straight visit to the championship. And finally, they uh, they walk away with the crown. Of division two uh, champions. And Rollins is in Winter Park, Florida. Okay, so they should be okay. You're good because spring training happens in Winter Park. Yeah, and so, you can play baseball pretty much close. all and year then, round. And then uh, big story, uh, the Women's College World Series has been concluded. And I think everybody just quit because they realized there was no beating. The team that, uh, for the third time in a row and for the seventh time overall, took uh, this year's and the, and those other titles, uh, the Sooners of the University of Oklahoma. Yeah, Boomer Sooner. Three straight wins, and like I said, the seventh title. Uh, they looked pretty good. I, I was, when I was watching, I'd never seen it because I know that, uh, uh, you know, some things that you see, like not everybody wears a hat or a visor in you know in uh, in softball right uh but they the pitchers were wearing masks yeah they had like face mask on and i'd seen in the past where like uh, a lot of times with the helmets that the uh, the women wear they have you know like those face mask cages on there were quite a few that didn't have it this time some did but mostly uh, most of them didn't but the pitchers both wearing them and then one last thing I had to, so congratulations to the Sooners. They're just tearing up. We'll see if they can go for four uh, next season. The, um, some I noticed, maybe you noticed it. I noticed it last week when Kentucky and West Virginia were playing that the players all had like uh, some sort of a fanny pack pouch thing that they had on their belts and they would check them. It had all the signs, I guess, on it. So they'd look in the dugout, they'd get something, and then they'd look at their thing. And at first I thought, is that the new thing? They get, they can't remember. I guess they're college students. They got a lot to remember. They can't remember the signs on the baseball field. I, I don't know. It's I do know they have like crib sheet. Yeah, I do know they have like a pitch com kind of thing they wear on their wrist. And so I saw a lot of them have that. Almost everybody in that game, the Kentucky-West Virginia game. Then I went for a few games. I didn't see anybody with them. And then I saw a couple other games where some had them. Is this, I, I don't remember this being a thing. And maybe last year I missed them, but it was just kind of a weird thing to me that you needed, you know, it's like the quarterback with their plays, you know, when they go into the huddle, the catchers uh, or the pitchers even would have, instead of having that on, um, they have like a big wristband that has like the little deal, like a quarterback has, so we can look at all the plays and, it was just kind of like the I'm trying to remember who was uh, who was the announcer, former, you know, and I can't uh, I wish I could remember his name. He was a, a, a major league baseball player at one point, but you know, and a college player. And uh, he was saying, well, when I was in, there was just a couple of signs. You know, he ran his hand across the chest. You knew to steal the base or, you know, if he tugged on his ear, it was hit away or whatever. He goes now. 
is it so complicated they gotta look at their little thing and see which one it is so i didn't know if they were just putting four fingers up and then they gotta look at their little thing and then decide but it was just kind of threw me off i didn't know if you noticed that i did notice that um and they're you're right they're cards and uh it's just, yeah, it's part of their play calling system. And so they have it where they can just look and they get a number from the dugout and then they look at the card. So it's like they're, um, what do you, you know, what do you call it? Like where you're, you're doing uh, this number corresponds with this you know, kind of a puzzle yeah, it's in secret a way. Code kind of thing yeah, secret so they code. A, That's what it, it is. It just was like every, they'd look in, then they'd look at their thing and then they'd go hit. It's like, you know, yeah, it, it's like, I, uh, anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, it, it so, looks silly. Cause I saw that too. I was like, what's that guy got a fanny pack on for? And he's wearing it in the wrong place. Yeah. Cause it's in front. <laughs> it's at their belt. So Anyway, College World Series uh, will fire up this weekend. And uh, I think it all starts off uh, with Oral Roberts and TCU. So uh, check in with, uh, I don't know, ESPN. ESPN is pretty good about putting on the upper right-hand corner of the screen the other games that are going on and where you can see it. ESPNU, ESPN2. ESPN plus, which means I'm not watching it. Um, but, uh, check that out and, uh, in, enjoy, uh, the glory of Omaha. It's time for Dodger baseball. So the other day I'm watching one of the games there, Jana with the Dodgers. And at first I thought it was like a, a new game, you know, like a current game. And I saw this guy come up to the plate, and I would have sworn, if I hadn't seen his number, I would have sworn it was uh, Ron Say. Yeah. But Ron Say was number 10. Who's number 10 now? Is anybody number 10? I don't know. Um, JT was was number 10, and right. I don't think that, I don't know that who is number 10. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, unless they're holding it off to the side because someday they're going to retire it for JT, which I doubt because he's not going in the Hall of Fame, unfortunately. But I was just wondering. I, it, it just popped in my head now. Anyway, uh, I think the guy was wearing number 89. And his name turned out to be not Ron Say, but Johnny DeLuca. Yeah, Johnny DeLuca. Yeah, it's uh, you are not the first one to... Uh... Just have that comparison, or you know, see that comparison. Um, he was even Maybe asked I was about the it. First one, and other people um, copied me. No, I think that's what happened. Is you were the first one, and then other people picked up on it, and uh, that's exactly what happened. Um, now they did ask him about it, and he said, "Yeah, I've 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 gotten that before. Um, I'd love to see them side by side." Um, yeah, that would be pitcher. good. Other than, yeah, like at the time frame that uh, Ron Say was younger. Not yeah, yeah, just, yeah, get a picture. Because, um, yeah, he is uh, definitely, <laughs> he does, he does look like the, the penguin. 
And that's anyway. about what the exciting happened with the Dodgers this week. And let's move on to the Angels. All right. Okay. <laughs> oh, three walk-offs. That pretty much sums up this road trip. Um, the Dodgers are like a 9-11 and 11 in their last 20 games on the road. Um, went into Cincinnati thinking, you know, it's Cincinnati, but well, Cincinnati I, didn't I say it's playing well on the last in the last episode? I said the Dodgers head for Cincinnati, which might cure what ails them, especially to make up for that loss to the Nationals. So basically saying. Should be a, a a walk in the park for them. Should be no big deal. No. Cincinnati, they came out ready to play. And, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't pretty, those first two games. Uh, the Dodgers have pitching issues. They are, their pitching staff is, um, has an ERA of over five on the road. And at home, it's like three, 3.13, something like that. So, you know, not too bad. But on the road, it's just not good. And um, I think before the season started, we knew that pitching was going to be an issue this season. Dodgers didn't go out and get anybody other than, you know, they had Noah Syndergaard. And we had to see how that you know, we're going to talk about him coming up. Um, Tony Gonson started the season on the IL. Julio Arias hasn't pitched to his true form. He's still on the IL. You know, Syndergaard's a bust. Uh, May's on the IL. Walker Bueller's throwing off of a mound, but he's recovering from Tommy John surgery. There's no direction in the bullpen that I have seen over the last week. Do the Dodgers need a closer? You know, a designated closer. Is that the issue? Um, Daniel Hudson, who tore his ACL last season, he's on his way back, but we don't know how, you know, he's going to go through with his rehab and what's going to happen there. So, uh, and we haven't seen Blake Trident. I don't even know when he's coming back. He had shoulder surgery and they said maybe this season, like September but who knows? I, you know. I saw something about him and it was like um, they had sent him out there and he couldn't and something happened. So they shut him down again. And Right. Yeah. That's the thing. He came. He was going to start, you know, ramping back up. And then, like you said, yeah, something happened. Shut him back down. So now it's like maybe we see him this season. And if we do see him, it will probably be September. I don't know. But Cincinnati. Yeah, the Reds were waiting for him. Uh, the first game was so frustrating because Freddie Freeman had a grand slam in this game. Uh, it, and JD Martinez, the two of them, you know, he had a home run and the Dodgers are up eight to three. They should have cruised, right? That that's it. They should have, it should have been over. It should have been done with, but Cincinnati, they kept chipping away and they end up tying the game 8-8 in the bottom of the ninth. 
after Caleb Ferguson comes in, who he looked good at the beginning of the season, and now he is looking lost on the mound. He gave up three runs on three walks. And he was struggling. And it's like he just needs to face three batters. Three batters, that's it. But I think he faced six. And um, then uh, Shelby Miller comes in. He faces one batter. He gives up a single. And that's it. Walk-off single. Dodgers lose 9-8. to eight. And it was the bullpen that gave up the nine hits. Tony Gonsolin was the starting pitcher. But he only goes five innings. It's like he can't seem to get across that hump of five innings. Um, He gives up five hits. He gives up four runs. He had three walks, five strikeouts. He didn't give up a home run. But his inability to go deeper into the game doesn't help, especially when you've got this bullpen that's in disarray. All right, but... Let's not get too crazy with that yet because Almonte, Gratterall, and Phillips held. It wasn't until Caleb Ferguson that the, right. that the save was blown that that they blew it right there. That's and true. And he gave up three runs. Those guys held them. Uh, it, it held uh, even uh, rookie sensation Ellie De La Cruz, um, who made his debut in game one of that series. Yeah, no, I, the thing with the the bullpen, and I guess it's frustrating across, well, for Dodger fans, but probably just for all fans in general, when you look at your bullpen, when they come in and they do their job, like the three guys before, you're like, all right, you're doing what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to, hold, you know, save the lead, you know, hold on to the lead. And then, you know, Caleb Ferguson comes out And they just leave him out there. And I mean. Well, that's what the bigger problem is, is they don't have a lot of arms. They get to a point, they think that they've got what they need. And then, you know, they have to go to somebody else. And then Caleb comes in, you know, blows it. The next night, it wasn't, you know, I mean, they threw a lot of people out there. After Noah basically gave up all the main damage. Right. Um, Vessia, Robertson, Gratterall, and Almonte made it through, didn't give up any runs. Right. It wasn't until Evan Phillips came in. Right. That he gave up the two runs that caused that loss. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, this game had Ellie De La Cruz. He had his first home run of his major league debut. That tied the game 2-2. The Reds tied the game up 6-6 in the bottom of the third, and it wasn't until the ninth when Will Benson, uh, I think he was the right fielder, hit a two-run walk-off home run. And but and that's the thing, is you don't expect when Evan Phillips to go out there that he's going to give up that two-run home run. And I'm not saying that there aren't good arms in the bullpen. I think Alex Vessia, he's coming back to his form that we knew and from last season. And we know that these guys, they're going to have off days. But I wonder about the management of the bullpen. 
does this rely, is it on Dave Roberts on how he manages the bullpen or is it the front office telling him in these situations we're going to go? Because Evan Phillips for a long time, and we've heard this even now, he should be the closer. But instead, we don't have a closer and they use him in high leverage um, situations, which I'm I'm good with that because for the most part, it works out. But in this case, this particular road trip really like put the spotlight on the bullpen. Now, how much of that is is because of the issues with the starting pitching? Obviously, and you haven't got to him yet, but uh, Bobby Miller has taken a big load off of that because of the way he's been pitching. Right. Um, game three of this series, Kershaw. Yeah, and that was the game that they won because he pitched seven innings. And that's the thing with the starters is we're not seeing them. Tony Gonsolin you know, is like five innings and he's pretty much done. I think he maybe he's gone six. Um, I did hear that he's experiencing overall body soreness. So I don't know what that means and if that's going to affect him in his, rota- you know, his in the rotation. But he also needs, because he's not able to go past five or six innings and he gets an additional day of rest because he just isn't able to, you know, to be on, you know, he he's has a hard time, I guess this season. Um, last season, the first part of the season, he was great. He was an all-star and then the all-star break, he just fell apart. So I think a lot of this, it's just the pitching staff in general, because it's the starting rotation. We don't, we have, Kershaw, Gonsolin, and Miller. And thank goodness for Bobby Miller, because otherwise we would be in trouble. I know we have Stendegard. Well, he's on the he's on the IL, but um so we got those three guys. And that's your rotation. So you are leaning more on the bullpen. So then you're putting more pressure on that bullpen to come out and pitch well, and you know that every night they're not going to pitch well. Um, But you wonder, because there's no specific, you know, you're a middle reliever or you're this, you're just kind of throwing them in where you think the matchup is good. And that's just, it doesn't seem to be working. No, because the pitchers maybe in their head think they need a defined role. Who is the closer? It doesn't matter. It just matters that you go out and pitch your best every time. It's like the other day, there was some stuff being talked about, about how, um, and I don't remember who it was, if it was uh, the Mariners or who with the Angels, but the deal was they changed pitchers at the last minute. And they said, well, that's not fair to the hitters because, you know, they're planning on this guy. And I'm like, 
it doesn't matter who goes out there and throws. If it's a pitching machine, it doesn't matter. You go out there and you hit the ball, not worry about the pitcher. You know, when you're when they do a a change uh, with a uh, a a relief pitcher and you're coming up to bat, what happens? The guy who's coming up turns around and walks back over there and somebody's got an iPad in front of them and they're looking at the the notes about this pitcher. Just don't worry about it. Go out and find your pitch to hit. Don't worry about where he's sitting because then you already have preconceived notions in your head. Yeah. And the same thing is happening with these guys. They believe if I'm coming in in the fifth inning that I'm not as valuable as the guy that's going to come in in the ninth. No, because how many times if you don't do your job now, the guy coming in the ninth is going to be, you know, uh, uh, Miguel Rojas for all we know. <laughs> or if they re-sign Hans or Alberto, he'll be the guy. But it's going to be somebody off of the field there. You know what? We're going to give Miguel Vargas a chance to pitch today. That's what's going to happen. And then you're not going to have a role at all because we're, we keep getting beat so bad. The one thing that's been good for them that's kept them in games has has been their offense. The offense has still been pretty strong. Yes. Like you said, game one. Freddie with a uh, with a grand slam that put him up by four runs, but yet they still lose in a walk off. The next night, a walk off. They finally win one, and you know six to nothing was that game. It was a good game for Kirsch. Uh, Freddie Peralta uh, handled the offense that day. Yep. Kind of drove the drove the bus four for five, two RBIs. Freddie. Another couple of hits, CT3 and a home run. Even Cuz, batting like 21, is uh, he had a double. Yeah, and an with RBI. an RBI, yeah. Now, he was hit on his hand, It was, and he had to leave the game. Um, the X-rays, X-rays came back negative. Um, he was hit on the heel of his hand, so the more kind of more meaty part of the hand. So he said, you know, it, it's sore, but we know how you know, cuz is, um, in fact, I thought this was funny. I've been reading, uh, Joe Kelly's book and, uh, he has a, uh, in this book, he has a fight club of guys that he would have. And he said, Austin Barnes and mainly because he's from Riverside, but, um, and he knows he has been in some scraps, but that's just how he is. He's just tough. And in this instance, you know, it's like, you don't see him leave a game very often. He would have been right back behind the plate, but, uh, luckily it was negative. Um, yeah. So, you know, they have two walk-offs Cincinnati. It's kind of a fluke, you know, thing when you have the two walk-offs in game one and two. Um, but like you said, game three, they come back, they, you know, Kershaw blanks the Reds six to nothing, has nine Ks. And then Taylor Scott, who was brought up from AAA Oklahoma City, um, he pitched two innings. He gave up a hit and he had uh, two Ks, uh, two strikeouts. And then um, they head to Philadelphia. And you're like, okay, they had now, the walk-offs. What? But they go to, and they go to Philadelphia with a win. 
yeah, they had to win. But I think that um, I think you underestimate the walk off. Yeah, I want to underestimate it because I <laughs> hate it so. I hated it so much. Yeah, when it goes against your team. <laughs> oh yeah, when I if it's a walk off for the my team, I love it. It's the best. Well, yeah. So they go to Philly, and in fact. Two times in this series, one was a full-on bullpen game. The other one, they had an opener. Right. And, and that would have been Victor Gonzalez. Yeah. And and he, I think he should have just left Victor and he just made it a whole bullpen game. Yeah. Well, so they had Michael Grove going. I didn't forget to mention Michael Grove is in the rotation, but in this particular instance, as you said, they let Victor Gonzalez go. The first like three batters was the plan because they're left-handed batters and he's better against left-handers. Than... So, and he went two thirds of an inning. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> Michael Grove comes in. He ends up pitching four innings. He gives up seven hits, four runs, a walk, and two uh, two strikeouts. Now, in this game, the Dodgers scored first on uh, J.D. Martinez, double, and things were looking good. And then the Phillies come back to tie the game in the bottom of the third, and then they go, they went ahead in the bottom of the fifth, four to one. But then Mookie Betts hits a two run home run to get within one. And then Freddie Freeman comes up to bat, hits a home run. So back to back home runs, ties the game four four. It all came down to the bottom of the ninth. Who's on the mound for the bottom of the ninth? Caleb Ferguson. Two outs. Kyle Schwarber hits a home run. It's a walk-off. The nightmare of walk-offs happens first game in Philly. Well, you'll be happy to know it doesn't happen again. It doesn't happen again. The uh, Saturday game, awesome game. This is the game that Dodger fans are like, this is the team that we know and love. And Bobby Miller for president because he is on the mound and he just, I don't, he, his intensity, I love his intensity and he's a rookie, but he doesn't, you know, he got into some, some jams, you know, but he got himself out. Um, he pitches six innings. He gives up three hits, no runs. He did have three walks, had seven strikeouts and then. Andre Jackson comes in. He had been called up from Oklahoma City because Shelby Miller had been placed on the bereavement list. And this was the one It's like, oh, which Andre Jackson are we going to get? Because we've seen really good Andre Jackson and really bad Andre Jackson. And this time we get the really good one because he gives up three hits, but no runs, no walks, had three Ks. So that means Jumbo Jacks for the Southland with the purchase of a large drink and um, things look good, right? <laughs> Nine to nothing. I always like how they had to throw that in there. Cause it's not like you can just go to 
um, Jack of the Box and be like, hey, Jumbo Jack, you got to get. Usually it's gotta... with the purchase of something. I know when right. the Angels win, you get uh, free fries at uh, medium fries at McDonald's with at least a dollar purchase. Well, I don't think they do the dollar drinks anymore, but for around a dollar, you can get a drink. You buy some fries, you got a little snack. Yeah. So get anyway. a snack. I was doing my best um, Oral Hershiser impression there. Very nice. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Dodgers started scoring in the top of the third. Capped off the day with a three-run home run by Mr. J.D. Martinez. And, uh, you know, this is the team that we expect the Dodgers to be. Show up every day at the ballpark and win. Four Four for six runners in scoring position. So they did a good job there. Yeah. Now in this game, uh, Rob Thompson, the, uh, the Philly singer of, oh, that's Ron Thomas. Thomas. Of Thompson. Matchbox 20. Thompson. Thomas. <laughs> Thompson. Um, <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> I was say of Canada. He is Canadian, but of the Phillies, the manager for the Phillies, um, he was ejected. After uh, arguing about the pitch clock, which the pitch clock in Philadelphia is wonky and it runs fast. Even the Phillies say that. But it, it he was upset because Aaron Nola is pitching and Aaron Nola kept asking for new, for new balls. He had thrown out, you know, it, it happened throughout the game. The umpire felt that Nola was trying to game the system because when that happens and they reset the clock. And he was like, no, I'm not resetting the clock. So he came out and was yelling and he got ejected. And so, and normally it was probably he's probably like pretty... an episode of, uh, you know, housewives or something like that, that he wanted to get into the clubhouse to watch. I heard, and I, you know, I don't, I don't know specifically, but I heard there's a lot of drama on a show called Vanderpump rules. So oh. maybe that's what he was looking for. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if it was on at that time, but maybe he was, there was a whole big thing. And uh, maybe he wanted to get in and find out what the drama was. So maybe he, he had DVR'd it and he was like, I gotta, right. I got better things to do yeah, than to be in this right. dugout. Well, <laughs> well, he's usually pretty mild mannered, you know, right. guy, but yeah, so that was the, but that was the, the excitement. The Dodgers win the nine, nine to nothing. And then here comes the most ill-conceived. I mean, to me, <laughs> You your bullpen is not great, but you're gonna have a bullpen game. Necessity. It is necessity in this case. The, uh, yeah, it's you know I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. But what else are you gonna do? They didn't call up a starter. Um, you know, one guy that we forget about is Ryan Pep uh, Pepio, and that's because he has been on the IL for weeks m- months with oblique with an oblique oh, strain oblique 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 so bleak, he's bleak, obviously oblique 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 oh 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 bleak bleak so he's not available <laughs> And it's like, who are you going to call up, right? You know, who's who in Oklahoma City is ready? Gavin Stone, what we thought was ready, obviously was not ready. That was a bust. Um, 
But in this game, Philly had the lead the whole game. It wasn't until the top of the sixth. Freddie Freeman hit a home run to get the Dodgers on the board. Jason Hayward hit a home run in the seventh. Um, and then the Dodgers would add on another run, but it wouldn't be enough. Nick Castellanos hit a home run to add three to the Phillies total seven to three Dodgers lose eight Dodger pitchers made their appearance in the game, including former Dodger and now current Dodger, Adam Kolarik, who yep. uh, is back. He was in for an inning and a third, just gave up one hit. The runs and the damage really came from, uh, a run by Caleb Ferguson, uh, three by Nick Robertson, uh, two from Taylor Scott, and one from Alex Vesia. Yeah. So, and that's the thing. I mean, you can't you get upset with the bullpen, but they're not always going to be great every game. Uh, but sometimes they're left in a little bit longer than they should be like Kayla Ferguson, who has been good, but lately has not been. Now they did say in Cincinnati that the mound was kind of wonky and it, it was hard to throw off of, but I'm like, mm, it's that seems more like an excuse. Yep. I believe so. So Dodgers, Taiwan Walker did, uh, did the yeah. duty for, uh, for the, Phillies and uh, all he had to do was throw five and not give up any runs. Well, but he was upset. I mean, he had only pit. He had like maybe 80 pitches, 83 83 pitches. And when he didn't go back out for the sixth, he was not happy because he felt like he could, he probably could have, you know, could have gone through the, the sixth. And, you know, another thing is a lot of times when I'm watching the Dodgers and Now, in this case, like when the Saturday game, Andre Jackson did come back out for three innings. He finished up the game. But across Major League Baseball, you see this a lot where you have these guys coming in from the bullpen. They come in for one inning and you're like, they're throwing well. Why don't they come back out for another inning? Sometimes they do, but I feel like maybe... Major League Baseball needs to take a clue, uh, take a page from college baseball because those relievers, they're not coming out for one inning. They're usually coming out for for at least two. If you know not what that more. means, though? You would have to have another rule. That Four batters. So now it's like three batters they have to face. No, they have to be in for two innings. Oh. Um. Yeah. So let's just keep adding on and we regulate it to the point that it's not even baseball anymore. Right. And then you might as well have AI because you could put all those <laughs> in and, and do it. I don't even know where to start when it comes to, to their, you know, like the bullpen and all that stuff. They, they had to do this because they've got no starters. Right. They've got nobody down on the farm. Um, you know, not even anybody like in Tulsa that they want to call call up. Uh, I don't know what kind of free agents are out there that they might be able to sign and uh, to a minor league contract and then, you know, call up from there. There is just there's issues now. It's better to have these kind of injury issues now. The question will be here in less than two months. We've got the trade deadline. 
and the Dodgers are going to have to probably pick somebody up, whether it be a bullpen piece, but probably a starter. Um, do you take a chance at putting Thor in the bullpen now? Or do you just release him? Right now, he's getting a lot of innings. I mean, obviously, he's on the IL now, but he was getting a lot of innings because he'd go out there and pitch. He may not pitch good, but he could pitch six innings of losing baseball, and you ate it up and didn't use your bullpen. True, and if he was lucky enough, which he hadn't been, um, the you know, even if the offense was helping him out, he didn't help himself out. And that's one thing with him is he's his own worst enemy. I mean, he has tried hypnosis. He has tried yoga. Um, I think he even said that he would theoretically give up his firstborn child if he could pitch the way he used to pitch. I he, mean, he, he his just, problem is he's thinking about it too much. Yeah. Because every no, time he's he talks to head. him, he says, I'm my own problem. Uh-huh. I'm pitching versus me. Or it's 10 people, nine batters, and then me that I'm pitching against. Yeah. He needs to clear all that out and, well, and figure and I out think... how to start over. And maybe this time off will do it. But if not, you know, I mean, he's a he's a viable arm for the fact that he's not really injured to the point that he needs, you know, any kind of, uh, surgery or any of that kind right. of stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you're right. I mean, he does eat up the inning. So yeah, I don't know what you do, you know, with him. He hasn't responded to the, uh, Dodgers, you know, pitching <laughs> clinic, whatever they've been telling him. Um, Dodger rehab, pitching rehab that he seems to need. Um, so th- yeah, I mean, this is ongoing. The one thing, you know, the bright side is, as you mentioned, was offense. The Dodgers have, um, you know, they've, they did well now in Cincinnati. Uh, they, I think it was both games they came out and they scored first, but then they got to like the fourth inning and then that was like it, you know, they couldn't can score after that, that, that cleared up, you know, once they got through the third game and then got to Philadelphia. So, um, now Max Muncy on the other hand is three for 23 right now. Um, Will Smith was not, you know, he did have a home, you know, some home runs, but Will Smith, when he's not hitting, it's kind of like, you know, if Will Smith's not hitting, nobody's hitting kind of thing. And it's not the guys ahead of him. It's the guys kind of after him, except for David Peralta, who, um, you know, has been leading a spark. So, but uh, yeah, the Dodgers are home and they will be facing the White Sox. And then they have a weekend series with the Giants. Yeah, so. first time Giants have been uh, into the ravine this season. Uh, old friend, you mentioned him a little bit ago, Joe Kelly is uh is in um with the uh with the white Sox, uh so we'll see uh, if he gets to make an appearance there what kind of uh a response he gets from the uh from oh the crowd. dodgers no dodger fans love joe kelly I, yeah no it'll be great awesome. and he said dodger fans are the greatest anywhere um so and it's not like they have it these two teams don't know each other they share a spring training home 
That's true. They do. They do Camelback Ranch. Yep. All right. So uh, what does the player of the week look like for you? So this week I went with David Peralta. He was 7 for 17 with a 412 batting average. He had four RBIs, home run, and a double. Um, And he just, you know, single, sprinkled in, walks. You know, he just, uh, he was on base. And, uh, yeah, he was leading the charge, you know, opening it up as they as they do. So I went with uh, David Peralta and haven't mentioned too, that he is, you know, he's a gold glover for a reason. He has really good defensive plays out in the left field. Yeah. He definitely, when he comes in, you almost, you forget he's there. And then once he plays, you're like, how come he doesn't play more? Exactly. I got to go this week with uh, the rookie Bobby Miller is uh he only pitched the uh, the one game this uh, this last week with the six inning pitch. Only gave up uh, three hits, no runs, struck out seven on the season with his uh, his game. His four pitched four games has won three of them. No decision on the uh, on the other one. Twenty three total innings pitched, only given up two two runs, earned runs, any runs. Uh, has uh, 23 strikeouts, seven walks, uh, and then a uh, a zero, a point seven eight, a point seven eight ERA. His WHIP is uh, about a point eight, uh, and anything under like 1.5 is good. Anything over 1.5 is bad. So he's like half of that. Yeah. He's doing he's doing great. I, at some point, he's probably going to. Um, you know, come to earth. Well, but. and that's the other thing is a lot of the teams haven't seen him. So, you know, them help, you know, they may figure him out. And well, here and or he'll there. Figure, he'll figure it out too. That's what yeah. he's supposed to do. And that's, exactly. that's, that'll happen. He's got an ERA plus of 570. Figure an average pitcher. And like I said, he's going to come to earth on this too. But an average pitcher, 100 is league average. He's at 570. Yeah. Now, that's small sample size. But that just shows how good he's been in the short amount of time. And definitely lifting up the the team as much as he can uh, to help them get through. Well, it was uh, it was good times to be had there in Angeltown uh, at the Big A. The Angels had an incredible week. They went five and one on the week, sweeping the Cubs, and then uh, taking two of three from their division rivals, the Mariners. Uh, pretty uh, good series overall, and I was as I'm looking through and watching games. I'm thinking as I'm watching them play, I'm thinking, is it is it just me or does it feel like they're maybe starting to to get it? Uh, you know, not as many uh, defensive errors, whether they be an actual error or, a you know, poor play. Uh, they've done overall pretty well offensively. That's what's kept them excuse me, with a, a different or a better record over 500 and everything. And this is what they need is to continue to be a few games over 500. 
simply because if they do happen to run into a losing streak, it won't hurt them as bad. Look at what happened with Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh doing really well and then lost like eight or nine games in a row. They were able to get back onto the winning side, and it wasn't long before they were back where they had been, whether they were in first place or real close to second place. Uh, obviously, the Angels uh, are in third at this point, but it's because they're playing in a division with Texas and Houston, and Seattle was supposed to be out playing them as well, and they're, they're not. So uh, Angels, two five-game winning streaks so far this year. The last one... I just ended up uh, in the series versus the Mariners. Pretty exciting stuff there. Um, Still having an issue with Shohei and the mound, but not really an issue with him at the bat. No, he, uh, he looks good. I mean, this first game, he hit his 16th home run. Um, Angels win this game seven to four. So he's looking good at the plate. On the mound, different story. Yeah, we'll talk about him on the mound, game one of the Seattle series. Uh, So, yeah, Tyler Anderson on there, only goes five innings, still gives up four runs, uh, not really striking anybody out compared to his walk, you know, five strikeouts to three walks. Uh, But he's, he's lucky that the offense did their job and Carlos Estevez is in his bullpen. 15th straight save uh, coming out of that one. Uh, Jose Soriano, who I mentioned, uh, was wanted to mention last week, but got sidetracked somewhere and forgot him. He called up, and uh, I was talking about him and the way he pitched versus Ben Joyce uh, because he pitched right before Ben Joyce in one game, and he got some strikeouts when Ben Joyce didn't. He's throwing curveballs. There is some curve in that, but he doesn't have... Um, Ben Joyce doesn't have as much, he has natural movement, but he doesn't really throw anything. You know, I saw him throw a, a changeup in a, in a game that was like 87, but not a lot of curveballs, not a lot of sliders in that. It's normally just the heat. Um, we'll talk a little bit about him coming up too, but Soriano strengthening the bullpen up. Some of the guys that were having issues seem to be getting a little better. Jimmy Herget, who had had yeah. some issues, starting to look uh, a little better. Uh, but that night, uh, Taylor Ward gave up uh, the four runs, but the Angels uh, didn't fool around and with a decent amount of offense, uh, scored seven. Um, in game two, another win. Like I said, they swept the Cubbies. They did. And this time they win six to two. And uh, there's a home run by my, Mr. Mike Trout, which, you know, you expect kind of a home run every game from Mike Trout, but uh, he had one in and this Mike's game. And Mike's even saying, you know, I need to be, I got to figure out the best ways to be more like old Mike. Yeah. He's doing his own be like Mike. I want to be like Mike. Uh, and somebody said that one time is like, I want to be like Mike. And they said, Trout. Cause I'll, I'll do that. I'd like to be like Mike Trout. That was a few yeah. years, ago, but, uh, but he's um, figuring out, I, I did see that he's trying to figure out, you know, how to be Mike, you know, circa, you know, 
Yeah, uh, MVP years. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, you got to figure every player changes. Oh, yeah. Mike Trout went from being, you know, a single guy playing baseball, you know, or having his girlfriend and then gets married. Then all of a sudden he's a dad. Um, little things like that. You see players that changes. But and then also for many years, he didn't really have to be the leader of the team. That's Albert true. Pujols was there. That's right. Justin yes. Upton. You had you had elder statesman. Yeah. So and he has taken he's in that role now. Right. So that obviously is a lot different in how you fit in. And he's got to he has to take that role and it can't it can't cause him to play um, at a lower level. He's got to learn how to shoulder the burden of leading the team and lead the team by example on the field. Right. Oh, yeah. And and he, he's having his moments, but still there were a couple times where he swung at high fastballs. And I get it. Some umpires, you never know. Are they going to call it? For three innings, they'll call that, that pitch that's just above the zone. And then, um, and they'll call it a ball. And then for the next three innings, they'll call it a strike. Sometimes you got to swing at cl- pitches you think are close. And he's always had a pretty good eye. So normally, if he doesn't swing, I feel like it wasn't in there. Now I've seen some where he just misses it. But I think he's too much thinking about something else in his head. And I think there's too much information pouring in that he's too worried about what he thinks the guy's going to throw. Everybody needs to be. Um, there's a line in, uh, in a recent episode of Ted Lasso where he says, goldfish, be a goldfish. And if you don't get what that means, it's goldfish have very short memories. They say how they figured that out. I don't know, but it's like 10 seconds or something, you know, I don't know. how. Yeah. yeah. And basically he was saying to a football player, to a soccer player. He was saying, you know, shake that play off, be a goldfish, forget about it, go on to the next play. And um, a lot of players, especially when you can go back and sit down and look at 27 angles of your at bat and see the pitches, the the guy's not going to throw you the same pitches again necessarily or not in the same order. You know, you never know when you get there. You know, look and see where does his pitch break at? But it might not pitch that way next time because he throws it off a little bit. Don't get caught up in that. And I think sometimes he does, as do a lot of players. Oh, yeah. Regardless, they got the win. Uh, Game two, Jaime Berea on the mound. Ben Joyce uh, just walked three, struck out none in that one. It was uh, Aaron Loop and Sam Bachman who saved the day for that, for that one. And, uh, you know, like you said, a six to two win, uh, Mickey Moniak, like you said, Mike Trout with the home run, uh, Renhifo two for four and two RBIs, uh, to help power the, that, uh, final game. Saw Reed Detmers do something he hasn't done all season long. Yeah. He finally got a win. Yeah. He walked out on the mound. Owen five. And uh, and he walked away with his first W, went five and two thirds, gave up one run, five hits and eight K's. Um, 
Now, they were 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position, uh, but they did get the 3-1 to 1 win. Uh, also, uh, making doing a first for this season, Joe Adele making his season debut, debut and on the very first pitch, he hit it like 450-plus feet. And uh, for his first uh, off the bat at 114 miles per hour, because some people are very excited about those numbers. I think that also (laughs) gets into these players heads about how hard they're hitting the ball and what the launch angle was. Who cares? You hit the ball. Did it get you on base? Did you help the team? Yes. Move on. Anyway, Joe Adele and uh, not a bad night. One for three with that home run. And um, it seemed like defensively, he was a little bit better off than he's uh, he's been, uh, you know. So we'll see. There's really no place for him. He was only called up because Hunter Renfro was on uh, paternity leave. As soon as he was back, that's the only game Joe Adele plays so far this year. He's already back in Salt Lake, and um, and Hunter was back by the weekend. But he got his home run. So so he came out. He looked good for that little bit, and then yeah. you know off he goes. But he did help uh, help power the uh, Detmers, uh, Reed Detmers, getting that first W. Chad Wallach also in there. In that game, too, Trey Mancini, he's the reason that they got a uh, got the run for the Cubs there. And that was it. A wrap on the Cubs. Only time they'll see him this season. They go in, they get set and ready for Seattle. Yeah, good good series for the Angels, obviously. A sweep is always nice. And uh, so good vibes coming into this uh, Mariner series. Now, we've seen that good vibes coming in that didn't last long before. You know, they, they swept. Uh, who did they sweep a, a few weeks ago and then got swept by the Marlins? They swept Boston. Right. And got swept the very next series. So they undid all that they had done. This time they carry forward. Game one puts, uh, this is a a good pitching matchup. You've got uh, the supposed ace of the Angels, Shohei Otani. Well, look at the rest of the pitching staff. I know. <laughs> That's right. All right. Yeah, he um, is the ace. And then... And even when he's bad, he's still better than many others. And then the Mariners ace, Luis Castillo. It was really not uh, Luis Castillo's night overall. He gives up five uh, five runs, which was all the Angels would need. He did that over six innings, six hits. Did strike out 10. Um, Shohei only made it through five innings, gave up three runs, three hits. And uh, and left in time to uh, have a chance at the win. It was really not so much Shohei on the mound, but Shohei at the bat. That uh, Casey couldn't live up to what Shohei did. Yeah, he uh, homered, had three hits. Uh, so at the plate. You're, you're, you're underselling his three I, hits. I am underselling it. Yes. Well, carry so on. So you can sell. No, you can sell it. <laughs> All he uh, needed was a triple. That's it. And for the third time this season, he came one hit away. When he's pitching, when he was on the mound. Yeah. 
one hit away from the cycle. Yeah, it was the uh, seventh time and second this season uh, that Otani homered in a game where he also pitched, and he has also hit safely in the past six games, and he's 11 for 24 during that stretch. So at the plate, looks good on the mound. He has even said, and I think in this game, he said afterwards he just didn't feel this didn't feel good about his pitching. And they're they're talking too that um, he's showing more fatigue this season than he did last season. And I wonder if some of that is is that you know during spring training, it's a different routine, a different vibe. Shohei didn't really have a standard spring training. He was thrown into the mix of the World Baseball Classic. That's true. And played high leverage games, was pumped up and fired up. So they were playing real baseball at a high level to which they won. He struck out Mike Trout to win, uh, you know, the, the World Baseball Classic. And then he comes in and he picks up where he left off. And I don't think he wants to say, I'm too tired. I can't do it. I need a extra day off. But they've yeah. seen it. And he's kind of saying it. He sees his issues, but he's not able to correct them. Yeah. He he said um, that, you know, normally they had um, his last two seasons, his schedule was on a stricter six-man rotation and so he would pitch once a week and this time he's pitching every six days nearly every turn you know so it's a constant and I think as you mentioned with the World Baseball Classic there was never any downtime or to work yourself up to that um, level of play um, because he was constantly you know, going and then, you know, is the pitch clock, you know, is he, um, you know, he's usually, he's a little bit slower, you know, he's always been a little bit slower in his delivery and now he has to, you know, speed it up because of the pitch clock. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I think there's a lot of factors. Yeah, I think so too. But because of that, um, I think it's, uh, also, I, I wonder, you know, does it put him in a bad, uh, a bad spot regarding his contract coming up? You know, I, I know people want him, but if you already start seeing that there could be some downside, it changes the value. And how much do I really want to spend this, that amount of money that everybody's talking he'll get for somebody that may end up just being a DH a couple of years down the road. Um, not that he's not a great DH, but his value is cut in half if that's all he can do because he's not able to pitch. Yeah, um, that's true. Well, and I was going to, I also want to mention too, is he throws the sweeper a lot. Yeah. And I wonder if it's his pitch selection because he's throwing that one pitch a lot and then he sprinkles in others. If that has anything to do 
with fatigue, you know, arm, you know, where you're just feeling because you're throwing that one pitch all the time. He he calls his own pitches. Yeah, so. primarily he does. So it's a lot going on out there. He, he may need to figure out how to loosen his own load a little bit on how much he does and uh, and that. And yeah, maybe he's too dependent upon that one pitch and he needs to figure out better way because he wasn't throwing that particular pitch last year not specifically through something right. like it but was not the same and um it's a breaking pitch but it's just different the way that he throws it it may be that's causing more fatigue as well anyway uh mickey moniac or moniac uh also with a home run in that game uh former um Angel Mike Ford had a home run uh, in that, along with uh, Jared Kelnick. They end up winning it five to four, which takes them into uh, day number two, uh, game number two with a, a an L on that one, uh, six to two uh, loss there. Shohei hit uh, hit number eighteen on the season, uh, one for one for four with two RBI. Zeto uh, continuing to be the rookie in sensation uh, two for three and uh, scored a run Drury Urshela. Uh, it's usually Drury Urshela uh, Renfro or some mixture thereof. Right. Yeah, right. That has something and it helps, you know, try to keep the angels in the game. Those guys have all proven to be great pickups. Um, yeah. It didn't help in this game. It, the Mariners had 16 hits uh, to the Angels six. Um, Patrick Sandoval on the mound drops his fifth straight start, struck out eight, but allowed 10 hits and five runs. Yeah, all on five innings. Uh, first appearance of the season for Gerardo Reyes, who pitched okay. He uh, hasn't been, uh, he's been in the Angels system since about 2020. Uh, and uh, first appearance this uh, this season. Uh, let's go back a game. Uh, forgot to mention Ben Joyce uh, throws uh, faces one batter, and uh, and then ends up leaving the game with uh, tingling in his hand and numbness in his uh, in his pitching side arm panned, and uh, and came out there. We'll get. Uh, I'm sure you have more information about him on the wheel. So we'll talk about him in, uh, around baseball, but he does leave and, uh, and we'll find his way onto the IL. Um, so it was really Seattle's night in the six to two loss. JP Crawford, four for five, uh, Julio Rodriguez, three for five with a home run and, uh, Eugenio Suarez three for four. And he was, uh, a great uh, cog for them last year as far as, uh, you know, hitting a lot. And part of the reason, along with Julio, that uh, that they made their way into um, the playoffs. They had a lot of guys start up last year that I'm no- I noticed over this series really didn't. They're not showing the same sort of um, contributions that we saw from Ty France, Cal Raleigh. Uh, those guys just aren't at the same level. Will they get there? Maybe. Don't know. Um, there was uh, an issue in this game, though. Um, did you see that? There was a uh, 
Uh, Phil Nevin gets tossed out of another game. His head almost explodes. And with reason, there was a, a once again another terrible pitch called where it was clearly a ball. It was a third strike, and the Angels had players on, and it was against Otani. Otani's the one that t- got the strikeout on that one. But it wasn't even in the zone at all. Yeah. yeah. And Phil Nevin had enough. He came out there once again. Scanners pops into my head. Boom. <laughs> and and while I'm thinking about coaches, a few weeks back, a few episodes back, I was talking about the third base coach screwing up and sitting in a runner home. And all of a sudden I'm like, hiccups. Maybe Phil Nevin is cursing me with some hiccups. <laughs> um, and I said, Paul Butterfield was the uh, third base coach. It's not. It's Hasselman. Oh. Um, I forgot about Butterfield, Butterfield wouldn't have sent him at all, even yeah. seeing it was offline because he played everything very uh, conservatively. Yes. Anyway, so uh, that happened. Unfortunately, didn't get ejected for the season. But, you know, at this point, nobody's going to talk too bad about him because they've maintained a 500 or better record most of the season. And um, they're playing pretty well right now. They are. Yeah. They're coming together. Like I said, it looks like they're starting to get it. And now when they're having an issue, it's probably more about just that one player and not a systemic issue. And hopefully that's just because the players have said, we just can't do this. We want to win something. We want to do this. You know, they still have slim to no chance of going to and winning the world series, but their, their odds of making the postseason have gone up to 16%. Hey, so nobody's really buying into them yet. And the problem is, is they're going to have to be, um, you know, right now you're looking at out of the West, even if everybody's as good as they have been, the East AL East is probably where your wild cards are going to come from. Right. Yeah. Looking I at it now, surprised if they didn't have four, four teams, you know, just about out of the East. Uh, if you can do that, but yeah, <laughs> well, in this last game with uh, the Mariners, uh, Griffin Canning on the mound, uh, Angels bounce back from that loss. They get a nine to four win. Uh, Zach Neto was the catalyst because um, he led the way. Uh, he had, uh, and Shohei Otani had three hits in this game. Matt Dice drove in three runs. Taylor Ward had a, a third leadoff homer of his career and second this season. Uh, Shohei Otani had three hits for the second time in three games. And um, right now he is batting 381 in June as of this game. And uh, Griffin Canning, like I said, on the mound. For the third time in four starts, he struck out seven and five plus innings. So he's looking good. So it looks like, I mean, I think maybe Tyler Anderson, maybe he's maybe figuring it out, trying to, he's saying he needs to stop thinking about executing and just attacking. Mm -hmm. So if he keeps that mindset, Griffin Canning has looked good. So the weak link right now is Patrick Sandoval. Right. Yeah. He's definitely at the bottom. Jaime Berea just above him. And then, uh, but uh, 
Reed and Canning seem to be putting it together, and Shohei's about where he's been. He still needs to like, overcome these early. Plus, in that one game, Shohei pitched, it was like five five walks to six strikeouts. And yeah. he had been doing much so much. He had been striking out more batters. Right. So. And I, he said Zach Nettle led the way, but I didn't even give his line. He was uh, two for four. We had two home runs. Yep. Two home runs. He got to wear the the uh, helmet, whatever. What's that called? The, the Shogun. The Yeah, the Samurai Shogun <laughs> Samurai, helmet. yeah. Yep. Uh, he pitched, uh, he pitched against, um, Canning pitched against Logan Gilbert, who, uh, another one of the top pitchers there, uh, usually right behind, uh, Luis Castillo. Uh, he didn't have a good outing though. Thanks to, uh, you know, the angels offense, Ty France, Teoscar Hernandez, both with three hits, Mike Ford with another home run, former angel, as I mentioned before. So the angels have an awesome week. Can they keep it up? I don't know. They're going to play Texas. Ooh, they're going to the grill. Yeah. Yep. The, will they get grilled? Will they get uh, served up and, uh, you know, eaten while they're there? We'll, we'll see. And then um, if they do have a bad time in Texas, they're going to Kansas City after that, which could be better for them. Hey. I don't want to jinx it because look what happened with Cincinnati and the Dodgers. Exactly. They, yeah. They do have an interesting you know, an up and a down series because you're playing Texas, who has been pretty incredible, who just recently played Tampa Bay and uh, and had an OK series versus them. Yeah, Not great, but OK. And so they might be coming back out here to reassert their, you know, their strength and their place in the world. Uh, and if the Angels can uh, can keep playing like they're doing, they give themselves a chance every night. Uh, that's all they can ask for. And then, of course, the Royals, who have been having a hard time this season. Player of the week? I went with Zach Neto this week. I, you know, he was batting, you know, six for 14. Uh, he had, you know, two walks. He had two RBIs. He had the two home runs. But he always was in the mix, you know, either defensively, offensively. Um, he's really coming, you know, into his own. So uh, Zetto for me. All right, Zetto's not a bad choice. I went with Reed Detmers as my, uh, and crazy, two pitchers this week for Players of the Week. Just, you know, he picked up his first win, but I'm starting to see, I figured, I thought about Zetto, but I figured he's putting himself in a position where he'll be, you know, he'll probably see it again somewhere down the line. Um but uh, Reed Detmers, uh, he, he had a great outing. And like I said, he's finding his way, uh, finding his way home here to being the, you know, the upsides that we thought for him. All right, the bullpen cart is all juiced up and ready to go as we ride around baseball. And we'll start it off like we always do with this week's MLB Players of the Week. Yeah, American League Player of the Week is Baltimore's shortstop, Gunnar Henderson. He had a 526 batting average, hit three home runs, had six RBIs, two stolen bases, a 1.053 slugging percentage in five games. And the National League Player of the Week is we head to Arizona. 
And the Diamondbacks outfielder Corbin Carroll had a 500 batting average, two home run game, eight RBIs, nine runs, three stolen bases, a 542 on-base percentage, and 24 total bases in five games. And he is one of the reasons why the Diamondbacks are number one in the West, the NL West. Yeah, that's, uh, they've been uh, just playing above their heads, you would think. Uh, Tori Lovello getting an extension through 2024. Another, another He's extension. Just a, I don't think he cares. I'm just doing them one year at a time. And if I'm yeah. out, I'm out and I'm good. Um, so the, I, I meant to bring this up last week. And so there's a couple things that we missed last week that one I didn't mention, but meant to. And one that uh, that we did mention and forgot to bring up or, you know, come back. So I was uh, I was watching like, uh, you know, highlights. I don't remember on what, but MLB or something like that, ESPN. And we're talking about um, and and it and it really hit with me because I was uh, I was thinking about it that, um, you know, how many home runs, how many leadoff home runs has Mookie hit? And uh, they had mentioned at one point it was like 40. Uh, I think at this point he's at 42 leadoff home runs or something like that, 41 or 42 leadoffs. And so that puts him right above Charlie Blackman at number 10 on the ho- all-time home run leadoffs uh, because he has 40. Mookie's got 42. But then a little bit later on the same show, they talked about it was quick pitch. And they talk about George Springer from uh, the Toronto Blue Jays center fielder, if you didn't know that, hitting his 54th leadoff home run, tying him for second all time. Do you know who he tie, who he's tied with? I don't. I was kind of surprised by this. Alfonso Soriano. Oh. Was not the name I expected them to hear. No. To say. Um, and then, you know, who's fourth on that list? Because Soriano and Springer are tied. It's right. Clint Biggio. Huh. Not as surprised by that one. This one really got me, though. Ian Kinsler. Oh, wow. I, I, I wouldn't have guessed. He hit 48 leadoff home runs in his time with the Tigers the Rangers. Um, I don't think when he was with the angels, he ever, um, he ever hit any leadoff home runs cause he wasn't leading off, but the easiest one, or maybe the hardest one, who's got the most leadoff home runs all time. Mm. He also leads all time in another category. That would that's pretty much unrelated, really, when you think about it. Home runs in this are different; they don't work together because okay. he couldn't get he couldn't be number one if all he did was hit home runs. He couldn't be number one in this other stat. Hmm. He hit I, eighty-one leadoff home runs. Eighty-one. Wow. Trying to think who are the leadoff hitters. Uh, I don't know who would he it is. 
arguably the greatest leadoff hitter in the history of baseball. He is not only the leadoff home run champ, he is also the stolen base champion. Oh, Ricky Henderson? Yeah, Ricky Henderson hit 81 leadoff home runs. He hit nine of them in uh, with the Yankees in 1986. Wow. So, and, uh, you know, he played, he's fourth on the all-time list for games played. He played 3,081 total games huh. in his career. Yeah. Anyway, he, uh, so that's why I said they're opposite. If you yeah. have a home run, you're not going to steal a base. But no. he just always hit home runs. The most he ever hit in a season was 28. Um, but he hit enough that he stole a lot of bases. And uh, 43 uh, leadoff ding- uh, home runs uh, in with the A's alone. He hit half of them just about with the A's. And with that, he would be ninth. Just at that point, he'd be ninth on the list. But nope, he is number one. And George Springer is tied for second till his next leadoff home run. And then the second thing that we didn't talk about, you alluded to. It was the longest single of the season so far. And it served him right. It did. did Yeah, Marcelo Zuna, I think it was like a 451 foot single. Um, they, they were playing in Phoenix. So, uh, against the Diamondbacks and that's a, you know, that field, every field has, you know, the way it's constructed, the different dimensions, depending, you know, like they'll say, well, in 27 ballparks, that would have been a home run. And I think that's kind of what this was. He thought it had gone out. It did not. And he stopped to admire it and made it to first. And then was promptly removed from the game for not hustling. Because <laughs> exactly. he should have at least been at second base. Marzell's a big guy. I wouldn't expect him to get to third. But he should have at least had a double out of that. Exactly. But he was too busy admiring his single. Yes. So Ozuna. What a knucklehead. Um, (laughs) Well, I have a story about a guy who's not a knucklehead. Now, I don't know his name because this was from an auction site and they didn't put the name of the guy. But there is a 1952 Mickey Mantle rookie card that's been stored in a Velveeta cheese box for over 50 years. And it is heading to auction. So the owner of the card went off to the army and his mom cleaned out his room, threw his baseball cards away, or so he thought. His brother held on to the rookie card and he actually hung hung on to 12 cards, including a Pee Wee Reese card. So his brother kept the card, put it in a Velveeta box in a crawl space, so, you know, should be, I don't know what condition it's in. I think it's in 
pretty good condition because it had no light was touching it. It may smell maybe a little bit like cheese, but it is going to auction. And they say that this card could go for seven figures or more. So when that happens, we will report it here on Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. Yeah, it's a pretty crazy story. Puts it in the box. It ends up in an attic. Mom's got no clue. Throws away all those baseball cards and some comic books, apparently. Yeah. I, I don't know if there was any comics that he remembered having that were of any money. I'm sure at the time he was like, just you threw out my comics, not you threw out, you know, $700,000, you know, comic book or something. Um, because at that point, who knew? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that one, uh, I'm interested to see, you know, what, uh, when that gets uh, sold at auction, what it will sell. That 1952 uh, Mickey Mantle rookie card. All right. I, this one, I, I feel like it's a little too late because they weren't showing up to games. And now fans in Oakland are going to protest the A's ownership group because they're moving to Las Vegas. Well, the plan is that they're moving to Las Vegas and they haven't done this for how long, but they now have decided they're going to buy tickets to go to this, to go to the Coliseum and they're calling it a reverse boycott. Okay. But correct me if I'm wrong. The A's are like on a five game winning streak or something like that. Right. And see, this is the thing. If they weren't on this winning streak, would this boycott be happening? No. The anti-boycott boycott? Right. The reverse boycott. No. All they're going to do by by selling more tickets is give the, the team more money for the moving vans. Now, the ownership says that the tickets that are being sold for this protest game is they are all of the money will go to community organizations in Oakland. So, you know, hey, good on well, that works out. That works out nice just to say we're going to put the money back into the um, into the community. But you're still going to have to come to Vegas to watch us play here in a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, the goal was a sellout. That's their goal. The reverse boycott is a sellout for a team that has, I mean, the Albuquerque Isotopes have had better attendance than the A's. Uh, Probably the Quakes have had better, the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes have had better attendance. Well, just Um, wait until Omaha this weekend. Oh, yeah. No, that will blow it out of the water. Off the hook. It's going to be crazy, the fans that are showing up there compared to show up. in, in, And that's probably even with this boycott thing. People aren't going to just, some people will show up. But it's like, why why do it now? 
Uh, right. you know, That's the thing. Why I... haven't you been there all along? Support your team, win or lose. I, I'll sit here every week and say bad things about the Angels. I'll still go to Angels game. It still kills me when they lose. Oh, yeah. But as part of a fan, as a fan, I look at what are the things that could be changed? What could we do? Mm-hmm. Right. No, I, so, I mean, you feel the same way. Like, luckily, I, was, I think I told you in that first game in Philly, they had the walk-off. I watched the majority of my games on the MLB app, you know, on the um, MLB TV, and it refreshed right as Kyle Schwarber <laughs> hit that home run. So I was like, okay, and just didn't have to see it. Um, still was irritated, but um, I had to was going to watch the next day. And you I know? was watching, and that was like, come on, let's go, let's go. And I had to turn it off, but I knew when Kyle Schwarber was coming up, I just knew that that was probably the end of it. Yeah. And uh, seconds later, I got the notification on my phone. Yes. Uh, and then seconds after that, I got a notification, <laughs> another walk off or whatever you wrote. From so me. I, but yeah. But going back to this reverse boycott, you're right. You know, they have this win streak. You're doing it now. Why didn't you do it at the beginning of the season? You knew, I mean, this is, this, them moving has been the topic of conversation for several seasons. It is not news. And you, you should be, you know, supporting your team all the time. Um, but well, they should be. And the other place they should have been is they should have been all these A's fans that want to do this should have been at Oakland city council meetings, making it known. They don't want the A's to leave and do whatever they want, but consistently, not only that, but when they have measures on the ballot about it, they vote them down. Right. And, and then they're upset because this team is leaving. Yeah, they saw the writing on the wall for years. Oh, it's been years. Yeah, I mean and they've been trying to get a new stadium, and like you said, it's you they know. get to a point with the new stadium where it seems like they're on a good path. Ooh, looks like it's going to happen, and yeah. then and then they turn it around and, and make it into something else. Oakland is uh, has always had, um, at least from from you know the baseball time frame, everybody's gone. They had the the Raiders. They had the A's come, you know, um, in uh, from Kansas City. They had the Golden State Warriors there for all this time. Golden State Warriors couldn't get a new arena there. They got one in San Francisco. The Raiders couldn't take playing in that stadium with the A's anymore and said, we got to go unless you can get us our own stadium. And they said, no. We're not going to do it. Yep. And they're in Las Vegas now with a beautiful stadium. That, they that don't stadium win there. Really either, nice. They don't. But they got a beautiful stadium. And it I is. can't see where the A's are going to be any different. Right. It won't seem as um, as empty with the 30,000 seat arena, you know, or, or field stadium that they're planning on having about 30,000 compared to, I think, I think the biggest college um, stadium for uh, uh, attendance-wise, capacity-wise, is uh, Nyland Stadium in Knoxville. 
University of Tennessee's. Yeah. They can hold over 100,000 fans on any Saturday for a football game. And many do and still have overage. Oh, yeah. That's about how many the Coliseum can hold, it seems like. And um, if there's only 12 fans there, it seems like it's really empty. If there's only 12 fans in Vegas, you know. That'd be okay. The one thing that they have in Vegas is the same thing that the Raiders have. They're not going to have to to worry too much about um, their own fans. Because how many people go to Vegas on vacation mm-hmm. or for a weekend? And they could say, you know what? The twins are going to be in Vegas on this date. Let's go to Vegas that weekend or for that series. We'll go and do the Vegas stuff we wanted to do and see the twins play. They're going to get a lot of that kind of. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, yes. Anyway, we'll keep watching it. Uh, yeah, we'll know, see how we'll see. this uh, this goes. But they play Tampa Bay this week, so let's see. Uh, you know if they're able to hold on to that winning streak, or if Tampa Bay uh, puts them brings them back down to earth. Um, which seems to be what I'm talking today. You're back to earth, Bobby Mills. Come down. It's all going to come back to earth. They're going to come back down to earth. And before we we go real quick, I noticed last week that. The Orioles and the Giants played. And we got two teams that are on different sides of the spectrum. I mean, the the Giants are playing kind of middle-of-the-road baseball. And a lot of that's thanks to Jocelyn. Jock Peterson has just oh, been yeah. fire. But they both wear black and orange. Yes. So I was thinking about it. Almost every team is some sort of blue, maybe blue and red, with the exception of the Padres. The brown and the and the yellow. The A's, green and yellow or green and gold. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. Right. Black. And the only other team that really rolls black that I can remember off the top of my head, the White Sox. Because they have the, the white and black. And Detroit. It's like navy, Detroit's right? Detroit's like navy blue. Yeah. But And then Colorado's purple. Right, Unless Yankees. City connects. The Yankees, though, the Yankees are are blue. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So there's not true. many, but in so even if so, like when you look at the National League, they have the brown and yellow and the black and yellow. Everybody else, oh, and then purple. The American League, and then of course the black and orange. So there's in in the American League, you have the two teams that both have black and orange. There's no other teams like in in the National League, I mean, the American League that match up with like a black and yellow or the brown. The closest is green and yellow with the A's. And I just I just always wondered, why is it that there's not more of that Colorado Rockies on their city connects are green and white. But when you look at it from there, everybody's pretty much some form Uh, Diamondbacks. I'm not really sure what the Diamondbacks are. I, they're kind of all over the place. They kind of whatever, whatever they, they want. They kind of got a black and a red thing going. Yeah, yeah, they do with the turquoise kind of sprinkled in. Um, speaking of jerseys, the Pittsburgh Pirates are set to unveil their City Connect jerseys on 
the 22nd of this month, and they will debut them on the 27th. Now, a photo was leaked um, from a photo shoot, and it shows players wearing black pants with a yellow jersey with PGH on the front of the jersey. Now, I don't know any of the other, you know, like what's inside the collar, what's stitched inside the collar. Don't know any of that yet. But I wonder they why they didn't put Pitt across it. But I'm thinking maybe because the University of Pittsburgh, you know, there maybe there was copyright with the Pitt across it. So they put the you know, PGH, which is kind of like the Milwaukee, kind of taking a page from the Milwaukee, you know, the mics. Um, yeah, but at least that one is the, the airport code. Right. And the airport code for Pittsburgh is PIT. Right. But is so, there a s- smaller airport maybe in the area that's PGH and they're going? I don't, I don't know. But uh, yeah, so uh, we will. We'll be talking about that probably on the. It, they already sound bad. They do. That's why I'm saying they they they're the last ones I think of the season to be unveiled, and we're not going to be wowed. I don't think we're going to be wowed by them. But we'll tell you all about them um, in our fashion report uh, when they and when everything comes available. For the record, uh, the Union Station there. The abbreviation for Pittsburgh Union Station is PGH. Okay. But when you think of Pittsburgh Pirates, do you think of Union Station? No. I I don't. I think of Willie Stargell. So they should have put, uh, you know, STG or STR (laughs) or something like that. His face, you know. Yeah, just that. Just like Cincinnati (laughs) should have gone with chili spaghetti. Just a plate of it, a picture of it. That's all. Maybe some chili stains on the sleeves or something like that but that should have been that should have been it and alas they did not do that they did not which you know what i think some of these um some of these uniforms i think when some of these players see them that's probably at which point they'd like to do something to get themselves hurt so they could end up on the wheel oh i am the heck it sounded like peter brady right there when his voice was cracking <laughs> oh right trying to yeah all right uh jacob de grom's worst nightmare has come about, Marcia? <laughs> uh jacob de grom's worst nightmare came true and he is out for the season as he had tommy john surgery this week um and just as a side note he turns 35 on june 19th so happy birthday to jacob de grom um, but he was, I mean, we had mentioned, la- you know, last week he was moved to the 60-day IL. We knew it wasn't good. And then we got word that he was going to have undergo Tommy John surgery. Um, he was in tears at the press conference. Um, you know, poor guy. He, you know, signed this big contract. And so we'll see, you know, how, how long it takes, you know, for him to, uh, to get through. Uh, pitcher Nick Birdie of the Cubs is on the 15-day IL after having an appendectomy 
And he'll be out until the end of the month. And this is like the second or third appendectomy <laughs> that the players have had this season. I think um, the last time we we talked about that, I think I had said Luis Robert, but I think it was actually Eloy Jimenez. That's right. Yes. That the appendectomy. Yeah. Um, but I don't know yeah. what just popped in my head with that. Another thing. Um, if you remember in seasons past, we talk about Jacob deGrom. We do the little law and order sound. Yeah. I stopped doing it. Two things. He's not in New York. And right. that's where law and order is. Yeah. But he, I mean, he was okay when he was pitching, but now he's just always so broken. I don't yeah. really know what, uh, and somebody asked the other day, just as a general question on Twitter, is he a hall of famer? Quite simply. No. No. Yeah, no, he's not. Um, after making his comeback, uh, Liam Hendricks is on the 15-day IL with right elbow inflammation. And there is no timetable for his return. Uh, Nick Zinzel of the Reds has right knee soreness and is on the 10-day IL. Uh, Jake uh, Fraley has a wrist contusion. Why um, couldn't that have happened a couple of weeks ago? So that he wasn't on because he played pretty decently against the Dodgers. Exactly. Um, so he's on the IL. Charlie Blackman has a broken hand. And uh, he has been placed on the IL. Jordan Alvarez is on the 10-day IL with a strained oblique. Oblique, 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 oblique. I got to work that one out because I there was I got to a point with it where I couldn't I could I should have them all the different tunes I'm trying to do here. Yes. Because I had oblique, oh 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 oblique, right? Oh oh, oh oblique. <laughs> I was playing in a game one Saturday night and I twisted wrong and my obliques. I got to figure that one out. Yeah, Not you got to work on that one. Okay. Uh, ben Joyce. My oblique's not right. <laughs> oblique. O-B-L-I-E-K. O-B-L-I-E-K. Uh, okay. Uh, ben Joyce, the Angels flamethrower. He's on the 15-day IL with right ulnar neuritis. Now, it is the irritation and inflammation of the nerve on the inside portion of the elbow, the ulnar nerve, which can lead to elbow pain and numbness, tingling, and weakness of the involved hand. If it is diagnosed early, the treatment is usually straightforward. You take anti-inflammatory medication um, to help reduce the swelling. You might use a brace at night to keep your arm in a straight position. You have exercises. But if none of the above treatments don't work, or if the nerve is compressed, then you may have surgery. So we will watch that. Uh, Trace Thompson has been moved to the 60-day IL as he has uh, been dealing with an oblique strain. Byron Buxton has uh -huh. a... <laughs> what? Well, he was on oblique, the 10-day IL. Oblique. But oh, it's worse. Side. Oh, 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 my side. There you go. An oldie on Wheel of IL radio. 
That's right. Byron Buxton has a rib contusion, so he's on the 10-day IL. Pete Alonzo is on the 10-day IL with a left wrist bone bruise and a sprain. Aaron Judge did land on the 10-day IL after running into the visiting bullpen at Dodger Stadium with a right big toe sprain. There is no timetable for his return. Curses that block of cement. (laughs) That's right. Um, But Pete Alonso going on the 10-day IL, the uh, Mets fans are not happy uh, with that, and they're not happy with the Mets. So I'll have to talk about that uh, next week as we, uh, you know, see how. I not with them either. They still have a losing record. They're under 500. Well, and, it... and they were supposed to be, you know, I have the money. Steve Cohen got the money. So the question is, does Steve Cohen overhaul? everything is the problem the players or is the problem buck i don't know that's a good question is um is uh uh, what's his name epler the uh, gm is he the problem he couldn't get it done in anaheim it could be well i mean i just saw uh scherzer just recently pitched i think he only went three innings maybe three and a third I mean, and and I didn't expect anything from him when he was signed by. They made a big deal. Oh, look, he's playing with the Mets, but, you know, he has a dead arm. So what are you going to do? So, but. Point and uh, laugh. Yeah. Laugh and point. <laughs> but that's it. That's the uh, will of IL. All right. Let's go back to Pittsburgh for just a second. Big milestone moment there when Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, becomes the 291st player to join the 200 to 2000 hit club. Uh, he uh, he is one of only five active MLB players at this point to have over 2000 hits. Uh, Miggy Cabrera uh, leads them all with uh, over 3100 hits. Joey Votto just above 2000 2093, and he hasn't played all season, has he? No, he. Has he had that shoulder surgery, started rehab, wasn't feeling right. Oh, that's right. And then went back on the IL. And I think he's still, you know, I don't know that he has made it back to a rehab assignment. I just wonder if he was at his normal, how much better could the Reds be? Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, anyway, Nelson Cruz and Elvis Andrews all. Over 2000, and now Andrew McCutcheon uh, did it appropriately enough and at home, really. Yeah. With the Pirates. Perfect. Pirate Stadium there. Yeah. So PNC Park. Pirates need Kutch. I don't know. I. (laughs) I. Just work on your oblique songs. How about that? Uh, oblique, oblique. I got a, you know, will of the uh, will of IL, and so I was to go working along on a song about with our thing. to go along with our box set of episodes. We'll throw in the oblique. Tail Records presents <laughs> stupid oblique songs. You'll hear <laughs> your favorite, such as. <laughs>
And that's it. We'll call it an episode. We'll be back next week. We're going to put the tarp on the field for now. Uh, in between, sometimes we tweet, sometimes we post, sometimes we don't. You don't have anything to do all summer. I, you had a some kind of a, of a uh, uh, research project you were going to do, but I don't even remember I, that. That was uh, within the last couple of episodes you mentioned that, but I haven't seen anything about it. Well, I'm still working and that's going to be a kind of a season long thing. That's a pitch clock uh, pitchers. Oh, oh. But I do have some ideas on uh, things that yeah, we I can tweet um, and uh, just gotta, I just got to do it. Unlike right? you, the, I don't I, I work 12 months a year. You only work nine months and 10 days. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's like, uh, come on. You got to have, you got to start. You're the social media director here. I know. I need to get more social. Social, more, more. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, I will do that because you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Sibling Rivalry BB with the A. Or on Twitter at Sibling Rivalry BB without the A. And uh, also on our website, SiblingRivalryBB.com. Check out the Fanatics link, Father's Day, but still time. We get this. We're not quite to Father's Day yet. You still have time to get Dad a really cool gift. Or as we used to say in the 70s and 80s, a bitchin' gift. Bitchin'. Yeah. That's right. Anyway, um, you still get him also, a good gift. Um, they just released the 4th of July hats. Oh, yeah, I did Those are that. really nice looking. So, you know, that's uh, and a, a gift card is always great for fanatics, too. But click sure. on those links as well. Do them. Just go through our links and uh, you'll get a good deal. Yep. Um, and help support us on the show. Help support the team. Exactly. All right. Uh, so next week we will be talking about Omaha. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's been going on. We'll see if uh, if by next uh, episode we have a champion. If not, well, maybe we'll push out the episode a little bit so that we can get to the point that we can announce. And you, I'm rooting for Oral Roberts. And who you got? Um, I think I'm going with, uh, with Tennessee. All right. Just because of the, the uniforms. Just those the those grays. I know that. Yeah, those I kind of I kind of like that. Smoky and, grays, which is perfect. Yeah. Smoky Mountains, Knoxville. It works. It works great with that orange. Oh, really? I really love nice. it. All right, so we will see you next week as we traverse the rugged terrain of uh, baseball and, and a day at the park. Have a great week, and uh, don't forget to swing away. Thank you.